Good morning. This morning, I am continuing our restart series in which we've been looking back at the post-exilic prophets and the guidance and wisdom that we can gain from them as a world coming out of lockdown. And this morning, I am focusing particularly on the book of Joel. So very little, if anything, is known about the author, uh, about the prophet Joel, or actually about the historical context or the date of this book. Um, But as we begin chapter one, we enter into a scene that feels like something out of a horror film because there's been this historical crisis, a horrific invasion of locusts, which has jeopardized the whole agricultural community that we uh, are set in here. The land is devastated. There's a huge impact on the food supplies and the people are in despair. And whilst this may be an actual historical event that they faced, The prophet Joel is using the imagery of this to then form the basis of his poetic writing. The fields are ruined. The ground is dried up. The grain is destroyed. The new wine is dried up. The olive oil fails. Despair, you farmers. Wail, you vine growers. Grieve for the wheat and the barley because the harvest of the field is destroyed. The vine is dried up and the fig tree is withered. The pomegranate, the palm and the apple tree All the trees of the field are dried up. Surely the people's joy is withered away. And then Joel goes on to talk about the day of the Lord. He says, for the day of the Lord is near. And this is something that maybe for us, if we read that, we might pass over it or um, not fully understand what it's talking about. Or maybe it's a phrase that we're familiar with, might associate with Revelation and the end times. But for the Israelites... This was a phrase that they would be really, um, a concept that they'd be really familiar with. Um, And they would understand it to be talking about God's blessing and God's judgment. So the first time in the Bible that we hear about this is when the Israelites refer to their liberation from slavery in Egypt as the day. Because God has delivered them from the enemies and has brought blessing upon them. And this is something that they would then go on to remember every year at Passover, celebrating the hope that the day of the Lord would come again and that they would again be delivered from evil. But then we read about the day of the Lord when Amos turns all of this on its head and he asks the people of Israel, why do you long for the day of the Lord? The day will be darkness, not light. He's warning them that the day of the Lord is indeed coming again to overcome evil, but then The evil this time is within Israel itself. And this is when the Israelites are conquered and they get taken into exile. So when we read in Joel 2 verse 11, the day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? Joel is warning the people that God is coming to defeat evil. And he's asking who can endure it. In other words, have you been faithful in a way that means that God will bring his blessing? Or have you turned yourself away from God? meaning that you'll face his judgment. But Joel doesn't ask them this and then leave them with no options. He tells them what they can do about it. So he invites a response to his news. And that is a response of repentance, of returning their hearts to God. So in Joel 2 verses 12 to 13, we read, Even now, as in it's not too late, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. So in other words, I'm not interested in surface level change. I want you to be completely transformed from the inside out. Return to the Lord your God. And why? For he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. 
and he relents from sending calamity. And it's not a coincidence that Joel uses these words to describe God's character because here he's quoting Exodus 34 verse 6, which is one of the most referenced passages in the Bible. And often we hear it in the context of Israel's rebellion against God. The biblical authors return again and again to this description and particularly to the parts about God being gracious and compassionate and his loyal love. And that's because it's these aspects of God's character that remind the Israelites that they have a God who, even when they turn their backs on him, would never turn his back on them, that he is faithful to the covenant that he keeps with them. So Joel tells the people to gather together as a community, and he calls them to respond and to return their hearts to God. And then Joel tells them what God's response is. Then the Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. The Lord replied to them, I'm sending you grain, new wine and olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. I will drive the northern horde far from you, pushing it into a parched and barren land. Its eastern ranks will drown in the Dead Sea and its western ranks in the Mediterranean Sea and its stench will go up, its smell will rise. Surely he has done great things. Do not be afraid, you wild animals, for the pastures in the wilderness are becoming green. The trees are bearing fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you autumn rains because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains, as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locust and the young locust, the, the other locust and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent to you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full. And you will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. And afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your, young, your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. At the outset of a new period of life for this community, as they turn their hearts towards God, he promises them two things. First is the promise to restore what they've lost, to repay the years that the locusts have eaten. So there's imagery of green pastures, of new wine and oil, which reveal a healing of the land and a layering of new healthy foundations for the people. So the physical and the practical needs of these people are met. The second promise then is to build on this. Not only is God bringing restoration of what was lost, he's also meeting the spiritual needs of the people. God promises to pour out his spirit on all people. And in the same way that the call to turn their hearts was something for the whole community, this pouring out of the Spirit is also for the whole community. 
It will be a pouring out of gifts uniquely given to each person for the purpose of building up that community and glorifying God. And then this passage finishes with a great extension of an invitation that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we see some of the outworking of this passage when we see the Holy Spirit being poured out uh, in another example of a new season in a community. And that's the birth of the early church. And Peter actually uses these words in Joel on the day of Pentecost. And in a few weeks' time, it's Pentecost Sunday, and so we're going to be uh, looking more together at what it means for God's Spirit to be poured out on all people. So we too are in a new season, individually and in the life of our community as Resound. And that brings with it an opportunity to reflect on what's been, to think about where we are now, um, and to reflect on what we're called to going forward. So first, I want to ask, What are you doing now to prepare your heart for what God is doing in this season? In some ways, it's quite easy to coast when you're in the rhythm of something. It's easy to turn up each Sunday and to feel like things are fine, um, that you've ticked a box. And actually, it's only when those structures are pulled away uh, and the activities and the business, uh, the busyness of it is all stripped away that we see what we're left with. And... For some of you, maybe this past year has been a real time of closeness and of growth in your relationship with God. For others, maybe it's been really hard. Um, Perhaps you've turned away from God. And that might not be an active choice. It might be a passive thing and where God being central in your life has slowly drifted away. Or maybe you've never asked God uh, to be in your life before. And today could be the first time that you want to invite him in. Let's just take a moment now to check in and to ask that question. God, where is my heart before you today? Where is my heart before you today? And if you want to, from wherever you are right now, wherever you're listening to this, maybe you just want to join in with me in saying this. God, I'm returning my heart to you today. I'm sorry for the times where I've tried to do things my way instead of yours and in my own strength instead of yours. And God, I want to say today that I am all in, that I want you to be central in my life. Amen. So I wonder what it would look like for each of us to live out the call in Romans 12 to offer our whole selves as a living sacrifice. The message puts it like this. So here's what I want you to do. God's helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Who have you got around you that can challenge and encourage you in all of this? If the answer to that is no one or I'm not sure, then ask someone, say Do you remember when Emily was saying about having someone that you're accountable to? I would love you to be that person. 
If you're not sure who to ask, then tell me and I'll help you find someone that can have that role. But it's so important that we have people around us who can be encouraging us in this, who we can be honest with. And let's make sure that we're creating a culture in our small groups where we can be asking each other these kind of questions. So second, I want to ask, what are we doing as a community, as Resound, corporately, to lean into what God has for us in this season? to what he's calling us to in this season. Because we could just go back to the way things were, like we, we could. But what would we be missing out on if we did that? We have a God who promises restoration and who promises us a pouring out of his spirit. So we want to take some time in these coming months to invite God to pour out his spirit on us again. And to see what's possible when we return our hearts to him and we say, I am all in. And when we say corporately, we are all in. And I think that when we do that, we'll be allowing God to speak afresh to us and to give us vision for who we're called to be. To give us vision for the needs that we have around us. To give us vision for what it would be like to be a community that lives that life of worship And invites others to do the same. So I just want to finish this morning by saying, God, please pour out your spirit on us again. We want a fresh wave of your spirit. For us as individuals, for us as a body, as a community, as resound. God, pour out your spirit. Amen.